Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, Sean Clayton. Welcome to Schooled with the Professor, and of course, uh, lots of interesting things going on in the National Football League. At owners' meeting going on in Fort Lauderdale, big games coming up. AFC North coming into town with Seattle hosting the Baltimore Ravens, and joining us here for Schooled with the Professor is Vinny Serrata, who ran the personnel office for the San Francisco 49ers, former general manager of the Washington Redskins, and now on 105.7, the fan in Baltimore. And so, I guess the first question, Vinny, how good is this Baltimore Ravens team? I I think it's just okay, John. I don't think it's great. I mean, they're twenty, or are they moved? They were twenty fifth in defense. I think they moved up to, you know, fifteen. But um, they've got a lot of issues rushing the passer defensively, and a lot of injuries in the secondary. Why they traded for Marcus Peters, and then offensively. You know, the offensive line and pass protection is not great. Run blockers, they're okay. Uh, the quarterback, you know, makes things go. Mark Andrews, the tight end, is very good. And Ingram, the running back's good. And if Marquise Brown plays, he didn't practice today. But if he plays, then they've got a deep threat. Otherwise, they really don't have a receiver that scares you. How surprised are you that they didn't keep some of the guys on defense? Because it's hard enough, and you know from drafting them, trading for them, all those things, to get uh, good pass rushers. And I guess, you know, Terrell Suggs, T-Sizzle, you know, wanted to get back to Arizona, so he's gone. Zadavian Smith over in Green Bay is not one of the better pressure guys in the league at the beginning of this season. To let two pressure guys like that go had to be tough. Well, they didn't, they didn't want to lose Suggs, and that was kind of a surprise to them. With Zadarius, he got $17 million, so they couldn't afford him because Matthew Judon's up this next year, too, and Ronnie Stanley's coming up, and Marlon Humphrey's coming up. So they couldn't afford to pay pay him. So I think they undervalued him a little bit, Zadarius. And Zadarius, I, I, I want to say he's got six sacks already, I mean, and he's playing extremely well. So, yeah, I mean, it's hurt him. And what they said was they were, they were more worried about the O-line than they were to pass rush because they said, in wink, we trust meaning that, you know, they were going to be doing a lot of the blitzing and stuff. But they're not even getting their blitzing, John. And then they're not holding up in the secondary. And they've had a ton of communication issues in the back end uh, where receivers have been totally running free and they've been giving up big plays. You know, so that's why they went out and got Josh Bynes and uh, Tony Jefferson's hurt. and uh, Chuck Clark's in there now. Uh, One thing that I think they're learning, John, is you cannot win with dumb guys. And I think that was a lot of the communication issues. They had too many guys that weren't smart on defense, and I think it hurt them. And they realized that, and now they're trying to get smarter guys out there. Well, how I mean, how is the communication issue in the secondary when uh, Tony Jefferson, before he blew out his ACL, and Earl Thomas, who signed in a free agent uh, and came over from Seattle, how is communication with the safeties, you know, this is including before Tony Jefferson's injury? John, Jefferson had a lot of busts. You know, um, he was, he turned, he turned guys loose. You know, um, Jefferson had some busts. Marlon Humphrey had some busts because they say, and even Marlon will admit it. He says he loses focus, you know, like three or four plays a game. He loses uh, focus. And, you know, hopefully you get three or four of those plays this week, because when he loses focus, like when they were playing Cleveland, he let the tight end run right by him just because he was so worried about Odell Beckham. So, you know, those are the things that they've been dealing with. 
Hmm. That's how's Earl Thomas fit in so far, both as a player and a teammate. I I think as a as a teammate, it seems fine. He doesn't ever practice on Wednesdays. Um, seems like he fits in. He talks to the media every Wednesday. Um, says you know he's not afraid to say anything. Uh, I you know listening to Harbs and stuff. I think he fits in fits in fine. He's very watching practices and stuff, John. He's very instinctive. He's got good ball skills. I just don't know that he's got the uh, deep speed anymore. You know, and then in the Cleveland game when he just when he refused to chase the guy down the field when he just quit running at the 50-yard line because he said his hamstrings were tight, whereas earlier in the game he's the one that sprinted and knocked uh, the running back out of bounds. Huh, interesting. The one one thing with him is that uh, you know he's a good student of the quarterback and tends to uh, tries to read them as best as possible. But sometimes that leads him to kind of getting out of position and maybe being vulnerable to get beat. Oh, there's no question about it. He'll jump things. You know, he he'll think that you know he sees something and he'll jump it and leave his guy totally go free. And it's happened, and I'm sure it'll happen uh, more often. You know, throughout the year. Well, was I wrong in thinking that coming into the season, you know, knowing that the defense was going to struggle with this pass rush, that the secondary was going to be the strength of the defense? You know, maybe we're excluding the run stopping, but again, as far as the strength of the defense was going to be the secondary, and you know, here it is. You know, you have uh, Tony Jefferson who's now out for the year. You got uh, you know the problems with Jimmy Smith having knee injury, and then of course you know I had to make a trade for Marcus Peters. Has the secondary been a disappointment? Uh, disappointment, I think, an adjustment. You know, well, Tavon Young, John, they paid him as the best nickel corner in the league. You know, so when you lose him, that was a big loss because they didn't really have anybody to replace him. You know, they tried to put uh, uh, Anthony A. Red in, and he hadn't even been active the last couple weeks. They tried to put Carr, but, you know, Carr can't run. and They don't have anybody that, that can cover that slot guy. And so losing Tavon Young was a huge loss. I mean, they were paying him $9 million a year. And, you know, Jimmy Smith, losing Jimmy hurt because then you're playing Carr and you're playing Maurice Canada and, you know, you're playing guys out there where there's a big drop and people go after him. People, Canada had nine tackles last week, and most of them were because they were completions. Wow, that's scary. I know that Earl Thomas, once he got there, because he's used to cover one, cover three type defense, said that uh, it was taking him a little bit of time to learn the nuances of the Wink Martindale defense. I mean, how difficult is it to pick up, and what is the defensive scheme? Well, I think it, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of disguising, John. You know, I mean, eleven men up and guys bailing out. You know, you got to make calls and adjustments. You know, on the move. And I guess if you're Earl Thomas and used to playing man or sitting in three deep and just playing the middle, you know, center field, then it's totally different because all of a sudden, you know, you're changing during the play, which makes things, you know, if you're using for what, seven or eight years and all of a sudden you've got to do something totally different. I'm, I'm sure it's an adjustment period. Yeah, there's no doubt. Talk about the adjustment of Lamar Jackson, because, you know, going in of the quarterbacks in the 218 draft, he was considered to be the one that was going to probably take the longest to uh, get into NFL skill level. Well, I mean, he ends up getting the team to the playoffs last year. Then, of course, the argument was after the season, well, he's just not accurate enough. He's a 55% completion guy. Now he's completing 65% of the passes and now looks to be one of the greatest running quarterbacks in NFL history. Talk about that progress. 
Well, the thing about it is, John, I mean, you'd like the kid. I mean, I don't know him, but just from what you hear from everybody, and we've had his quarterback guru from Florida on like four times, and the work ethic that the kid has, John, I mean, the work ethic is unbelievable how hard he works and and worked on his fundamentals because his fundamentals were awful last year, horrible. His footwork was horrendous, you know, and his throwing motion was bad. And he's fixed it, and he's worked on it, and he's worked on it. And he's, you know, where his base and his balance and his steps and, you know, throwing the football are so much better and more consistent. Because we talked all off season was, Lamar needs to be consistent. He needs to be consistent, you know. And, and right now he's being he's being consistent. And that's the thing. And he's playing confident. He's having fun. And, and they simplified the offense for him to make things easier. So it, everything right now is good. And, and, John, the guy is faster than fast. I mean, he outruns angles. He is super fast. And he is – biggest thing he's learned is get out of bounds and get down. So I think those are some of the things that he is, he's learned. And uh, not to take the big hits. Because he's going to carry the ball. He carried the ball 19 times last week. And, uh, you know, you got RG3 sitting behind him who – you know, tried to do that same thing, and he ended up getting hurt. So they they can't afford to let Lamar take a big hit and get out and get hurt. Does he have a baseball background at all, like Russell Wilson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and some of the other quarterbacks? I do not think so, John. I do not think so. I, I would think that he would be a track guy as fast mm-hmm. as he is. I would think he'd be a track guy. But is he pretty good with the slide when needed? He does a good job. He doesn't slide. He goes. He dives head first and gets down, or he runs out of. Johnny's so quick. You watch. I mean, he just makes so many people miss. He'll stop and start on time, and guys will go flying, and then you'll just run out of bounds. Marquise Brown's kind of an intriguing type of player too, because I mean, he was a cousin of uh, Antonio Brown. Brings a lot of flair to the game. <clears throat> How's he been despite his injuries? Well, uh, injuries is the key thing. I mean, John, he did not participate in one OTA, one mini camp practice, very little practice during uh, two-a-days, you know, and, you know, he's practiced on and off during the season. Uh, you know, he caught a nice touchdown pass against, what was it, Pittsburgh? And then he's hurt, you know. So he's a really – you'll see him, John, when you see him on the sidelines on Sunday. You'll see how small he is. He's tiny. He needs to get in a weight room. He needs a year – to gain 15 pounds and get in the weight room. Probably weighs about a buck 65. So he, uh, he he gets hurt every time he plays almost. So, But he's very electric, and he's good with the ball in his hands. He can make people miss, and he's super fast. On a different note, how are you amazed at right now how bad the AFC is? You know, right now in interconference play, uh, NFC teams are winning 19, AFC teams 10, and that's on the pace that's going to be somewhere between 2004, 2006, when you had the uh, AFC, you know, winning 44 of 64 games in in 04 and 40 of uh, 64 games, and that means a lot of nine win divisions if that's going to be the case, and if it continues. Well, with the schedule that the Ravens have, John, I mean, if they lose this week, you know, then they have by, then they got the Patriots, and then, you know, they've got Buffalo and Houston and the Rams, and, and uh, they, they've got a bunch of good teams. They got, I mean, eight, eight could win the North, very easily could win the North. 
You know, but the ASC, yeah, I mean, it, it's not strong. I mean, when you look at Kansas City, defensively, not great. Um, New England, offensively, they're struggling. You know, the Ravens, offensive line's not great. Defense isn't great. You know, they've got a running quarterback that's outstanding. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no complete team, really, John, in the AFC. I don't, I don't see. No, if I could, you look at the closing schedule <clears throat> right now, Baltimore has a schedule of 509, which is 29, 28, and 1. Team like the Steelers, 2 and 4 with, you know, either Mason Rudolph or a rookie quarterback. They've got a 348, and it's like uh, second easiest in the league. And what you look at is that, hey, if you're a bad team except for the maybe the Jets, except for maybe Miami and Cincinnati, you, you can be with a two-win team and still have a chance. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And, John, the, the, the two major things that I've kind of noticed in, you know, watching film and stuff, offensive line play is horrendous, and officiating is horrendous. You know, those are the two things that really stick out. Offensive line play is so bad, you know, around the league. Like, Cleveland's offensive line was bad. Kansas City's old line was bad. You know, Seattle's offensive line is not good. The Ravens' offensive line is not good. You know, I mean, so so poor play in the offensive line. It's amazing. And it can't just be because the offensive line doesn't get much time to do anything in the preseason games. I mean, I think part of it has to be you know, the longer time it takes for college blockers to adjust to the NFL, and then it's just hard to find linemen that fit together. Yeah, and I, I think one of the bigger things is, John, I mean, the, the college offensive linemen, high school offensive linemen, they're never in a three-point stance. Never in a three-point stance. So you never see them run blocking. I mean, like for Seattle, who wants to run the ball 50% of the time, you know, out of a three-point stance, come off, flat back, roll your hips. They don't do that. All they do is pass set. You know, so they're not the most physical guys. They're not the toughest guys. You know, so times have changed offensive line-wise. You know, like John, Kevin Gogan, he'd be laughing at the players <laughs> today. Oh, no question about it, because, I mean, he was so physical, and, uh, you know, he, yeah. he, he loved to just knock you down. And one thing about this offensive line, even though DJ Fluker is probably not going to play because of a hamstring injury, it's a knock-you-in-the-face type of line. And, I mean, you know Mike Solari. I mean, he likes big guys in the line, and he wants to kind of have a line that wants to punch you in the face. Well, Mike Solari is an outstanding offensive line coach. He was our tight end coach when I was at the Niners. And, you know, he, if if – he made Brent Jones a blocker, and Brent Jones probably blocks as well as me and you, John. Mm-hmm. And he made Brent Jones a blocker. So, Solari, I got great respect for Mike Solari. I think he's a great offensive line coach. You know, so I think he'll develop the guys. But early in the season watching film, you know, when I watched the film of the Cleveland game, that number 74 to left tackle, oh, my gosh, that was not, uh, that was not a good day for him. Oh, no doubt. Hey, when uh, I would be remiss not to ask you, it's like how stunned are you with what's going on with the Washington Redskins? Oh, my. Uh, well, Bruce Allen's destroyed a lot of organizations, and he's doing another one. You know, so am I surprised? I guess disappointed, but I'm not surprised. So what What did they do? What do you think that the next move is going to be to get this team better? Well, they need to trade Trent Williams what they need Agreed. to do. You know, and uh, um, you need to play Haskins at some point, to, because if you're going to have a top two or three pick, you need to find out if Haskins is the guy or you need to take another quarterback. Particularly with the draft coming up that's going to be so good on quarterbacks. Yeah, so, and I know that's the guy that they wanted, and you kind of get the feel that the coaching staff was maybe in a different position that they maybe wanted Daniel Jones. That's kind of what the rumors out there were, John, that, and 
where where we heard that before? Mm-hmm. Sounds like Mike Shanahan didn't want RG three. He didn't want to give up. I think he liked RG three, but didn't want to give all those picks away to move up to do that. Kind of amazing. So, finally, what kind of game do you expect Baltimore and Seattle on Sunday in Seattle? Well, John, when I looked at like all of Seattle's home games, the they won two, lost one. What, the two home games that they've won are both one-pointers, and the one they lost was a six-pointer. So I'm expecting a close game. I'm expecting, you know, a three-point game. And I, I kind of like Seattle just because if they don't – John, I mean, you tell me. If they don't get pressure, if they don't get hardly any pressure, you know, on Russell Wilson, what's he going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, he is so accurate right now with the stuff that he's done in the offseason to improve his strength, his accuracy, his core ability. And, you know, <clears throat> what's been amazing is that no, I don't think there's a quarterback in the league right now that is accurate on downfield throws as him. Because, you know, whether it's going to be to uh, Tyler Lockett, to DK Metcalf, who's been a major factor. I mean, he's been a good player for them that nobody expected. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, so, and so you look at that and, you know, it's not as if this is kind of overnight. I mean, you look last year, they were running the ball 160 yards a game, and in the last eight games, they averaged 30 points a game, 240 points in the last yeah. eight games. You know, Russell Wilson right now is the MVP in the league. Well, John, it almost looks like they run two offenses. It looks like they run, you know, like the power eye, and, and they run extra tight ends, and then, and then they'll run the RPO stuff. So mm-hmm. it almost looks like they kind of have two different... We have our run mode, and then we have our pass mode, and it looks like a lot. They want to boot him. They want to move the pocket. And especially if he's starting to get hit, then they're going to start to boot, roll the pocket just to get him away from the trash. Yeah. He's really good at that. Hey, Vinny, thank you so much for joining us on Schooled with the Professor. My pleasure, John. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.